Well, hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into the Harbor Teaching Podcast. We hope that the messages you will hear are both uplifting and challenging. And now, welcome to the Harbor. Okay, so I'm excited about this uh, message and I'm really, really stoked about this series that we're diving into. Going to open with this story. A few years ago, a man by the name of Charles Duhigg, he had a problem. And his problem was he really loved chocolate chip cookies. And in fact, he could not stop eating them. And every day around 3.30 p.m., that urge would hit at the office and he would go to the break room and he would buy a chocolate chip cookie and he would eat it. Anyone, anyone relating to this moment? That 3.30 p.m. like urge, you know? It's like, oh my gosh. Now, the problem came when his wife began to notice that he was not necessarily growing in wisdom and stature, but more growing in girth. And she began to, you know, ask and complain, hey, it seems like you're putting on a few LBs. And so he started attempting to, to stop uh, gaining weight. But the problem was that he realized he developed this habit. And, and so he actually, he's a journalist. And so he did what journalists do. And instead of just like stopping, he went on a long journey trying to discover why human beings form habits. And this journey actually led him to write a book called The Power of Habit. He learned about what triggers habits in our mind, what leads us to, to make the decisions that we make and the build the habits that we build. And one of the interesting things that he shares in this book, The Power of Habit, and spoiler alert, he figured out how to stop eating chocolate chip cookies. So I need to read that so I can figure that out myself. But he shares in this book a very interesting quote about habits, and he discovered this very specific type of habit called a keystone habit. And he says in the, in the Power of Habit that keystone habits are small changes or habits that people introduce into their routines that unintentionally carry over into other aspects of their lives. So in other words, it is a habit that has a ton of power and influence over your life. The example that he gives in the book is exercise. And he says, when you exercise, you tend to eat better, you tend to smoke less, you tend to have better spending habits, you need to tend to have better relationships, lower anxiety. So what he says is, quote, that exercise is a keystone habit that triggers widespread change. And this series is about the most important keystone habit. And it literally is a habit that if we build it into our lives, it actually has the potential to radically transform everything about us. From our minds, to our vision, to our perspective on life, to our relationships, to the purpose that God has for us. And it's the habit that, as Becca read, is the habit of reading scripture, reading the Bible. And we're going to be unpacking and looking at over the next three weeks what it means to devote ourselves and what it means to build a lifestyle of reading scripture. And we're going to start in Psalm 1, the first psalm, and, and Becca already read it, but we're going to take a deep dive into a couple of different verses. And let's look at Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. If you want to turn there, you're more than welcome. If not, it's on the screen. And this psalm 
it, it breaks up and it contrasts a, an unwise person with a blessed person. And this is what it says. It says, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. So we see this blessed person and, and we see this unwise person. And the unwise person, there's three characteristics. They heed ungodly advice. They have ungodly actions and they have a spirit of criticism about them. And then on the flip side, there is this blessed person, this person who receives the, the blessing of God and their intake is scripture. Now, if you're new, this is probably, or, or, or maybe, maybe even just you've been around for a while, this seems pretty obvious. Like it's not crazy to think that a pastor is gonna talk about how important it is to read the Bible. But let's keep reading because they, it doesn't just contrast two people, but it actually shows two different results. Verse three, that person, the blessed person, is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like the chaff that the wind blows away. Now let's examine this word chaff. The word chaff um, it comes from the idea of, of the agricultural idea of like grain. And a grain, when it grows out of the ground, it has something around it called a husk. Everyone say husk. It's kind of a fun word to say. And so the husk is, is, is grows up around the grain and the idea is that it protects the grain while it is growing on the stalk, but the husk is inedible. And so the first thing that a farmer has to do is they have to get rid of the husks. And so they crush up the, the grain and the husk comes off and then you have to get rid of that. And so what they used to do in ancient times, not familiar with how they husk currently, but in ancient times what they would do is they would go out into a hillside, they'd have a big basket of grain and they'd toss it into the air. And the grain is heavy, and so the grain would go up into the air, and then it would land back in the basket. But the husk, it's very light. It's a chaff, and so the wind would take it and blow it away. And so the result that the writer is saying is that the person who is not based on the Scripture, they are someone that doesn't necessarily have a root or a foundation in their life. And whatever kind of the, the, the latest wins or whatever the latest trends are, they get taken by those things. And yet the, the contrast is that there is a type of person who is planted like a tree. Now, allow me to explain for a minute because this actually was a great compliment in the ancient times. You see, in the ancient times, there were no Google Maps, and so trees were places where you found direction. They provided landmarks. There was no downtown produce, and so trees were a place where you could get nourishment, a snack for the road. There was no air conditioning, and so trees were a place of shade, a place of rest. 
And in fact, the majority, most of the religions at that time, they viewed trees as a place where you met with the gods. And so you actually connected to the divine at trees. That's what most of the religions at the time believed. So this is a great compliment to be compared to a tree. And it's actually not the only place in the Bible that it happens. Jeremiah chapter 17, you're going to see some similarities between these two. It says this, it says, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and it never fails to bear fruit. What does this mean? This means God wants you to be a tree. That would make a really good name for a sermon series, I think. And, and, and this idea that a blessed person is like a tree, I want us to think about this idea of blessing for a second, because I think a lot of times when we associate the blessed life, hashtag blessed, we associate having a lot of Bitcoin that goes up in value or having fame on Instagram or being able to travel around and, and, and go wherever you want, having a private jet to take you wherever. And that, that sounds very hashtag blessed. But when the scripture talks about blessing, it, it talks about it in the context that we just read. And so I want you to take a moment for just a second and I want you to think about the vision that God has for your life. I want you to listen to me as I describe what this idea of being a tree is like. And I want you to picture as if God is speaking over this over you, over the potential of your life, the, the vision that God sees when he looks into your future. First off, a tree is planted by streams of water. This means that you have a constant state of nourishment. That means that you are planted deep and that your life has a constant source of hope and comfort and peace and joy because you are reading the word and because the Holy Spirit is feeding and nourishing your soul. You're planted by streams of water. You yield fruit in season. This means that when people come into contact with you, their lives are better because of it. They experience nourishment, peace, hope, and goodness in their life. When people come into contact with you, they leave and they say, man, I feel like I had an encounter with God because of what God is doing through your life. You yield your fruit in season. Your leaves does not wither. This means that storms will come. This means that drought will come. But when that happens, your life doesn't crumble. It doesn't fall apart. And maybe there are people around you who, 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 who get blown down by a storm, but because your roots are in the foundation of God's word, 
you are able to stand strong and provide hope and courage for yourself and for people around you. And whatever you do prospers. Again, this doesn't mean every stock on Robin Hood hits. This means that God's purposes and God's plans for your life are able to come true. This is God's vision for our life. Now, I don't think that there is a person in here that would say, yeah, that's not for me. Like, we always say that wherever you are at, even if you don't believe what we believe, you're welcome here. And we would love to, to but so, so even if you don't believe this, I think that, that there's something in us that would say, man, that kind of a vision for my life sounds incredible. Like, this is what I want. So the question is, how do we get to this point? How do we step into God's vision for our lives? Well, the Psalm answers the question, verse two, it says that the blessed person has discovered this keystone habit. And here is the keystone habit. They delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So in other words, the person who is experiencing the blessing and experiencing the goodness of God in their life. They've built this keystone habit of building their lives on and filling their lives with scripture. I'm reading this biography right now uh, about a man named Eugene Peterson. And uh, maybe you've heard of Eugene Peterson. The most famous thing that he has done is translated the paraphrase, the message. So if you've ever read the message Bible, that was due to Eugene Peterson. But he, he, he passed away a couple of years ago. And, and one of the things that he's the most known for is he had this deep devotion in this deep love of God. And in the biography, his, his son tells a story that one day he went downstairs to his dad's study. And he went down there to say, dad, like breakfast is ready. And they had a cabin that was on a cliff uh, on a lake in Montana. And so Eugene Peterson, every morning he would go down and he would spend a couple of hours before uh, the sun came up, before anyone woke up, just spending it with the Lord, reading the scriptures, praying, reading uh, rich things that, that nourished his soul. And his son remembers one day specifically walking down and seeing his dad praying and seeing the love that his father had for the Lord and witnessing this beautiful and intimate moment between his father and Jesus. And I think when you and I, when we hear something like that, at least for me, like there's something in me that, that wants that. And I know personally, like I'm, I'm a long way from that. Like there are times when I read the scripture and it feels very dry and very boring. There's certainly, I'm not at that place. But there's something in me and the thing that I want us as the harbor to capture is this idea that you and I, we are on this journey together, a, a lifelong journey of following Jesus. And on this journey, I want us to be thinking and hoping and praying that at the age of 80, at the age of 85, that you and I have spent time building into our lives the rhythm of following after Jesus and pursuing Jesus with our whole hearts 
to the point where we are deeply, deeply in love with him through our connection to his work. I love what Eugene Peterson says. He says, I want to cultivate and deepen my relationship with God. I don't want to live as a parasite on the firsthand spiritual life of others, but to be personally involved with all my senses, tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. You can write this down and, th and think about it, but, but our vision is that we want to be with Jesus we want to become like Jesus and we want to do the things that Jesus did. It should be on the screen here. Our vision is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus and to do what Jesus did. But this vision, it develops as we learn to delight in scripture. In other words, the, the, the long-term goal is man, I, I want to be as close to Jesus as possible, but that happens as we dive in and delight in scripture. Now, here's the problem. I've just shared a very beautiful and very idealized vision with you. The reality is that most of us, myself included, have moments where we read scripture or we encounter God and it's a beautiful thing. But, but there are also a lot of moments where it feels much less idealized and much more mundane. And if we're honest, a lot of us, we get the notification on our phone that we haven't finished the Bible reading plan and everyone else on our Bible reading plan has left us in the dust and the question you version asks is, hey, would you like me to catch you up? Or, or maybe you have been in the situation before where like you have been reading the Bible and then you wake up as the phone hits your face because you kind of dropped it. You can, we can be honest that that has happened a couple of times to us or, or perhaps even you, you've been really excited and heard a message like this before and you wanted to dive into scripture and then you dove in and you started reading and you realize like, man, like I'm confused or or I'm frustrated, or I, I'm just not feeling it. And I guess, to be honest, many of us would say, like, Brian, I really, I want to delight in the scripture, but, but I just don't know how. And if I'm honest, I have to force myself to read it every once in a while. Well, here's my encouragement to you as, as we kick off this series. I want us to realize that, that we have to oftentimes start a habit before a craving happens. You see, the, the craving doesn't, we don't, like our bodies don't crave something good all the time. What happens is we build a habit and that habit leads towards a craving. Here's the way that James Clear says it. He says, we don't rise to the level of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. In other words, our habits today eventually create our cravings tomorrow. And, and I've discovered this in, in my own life. Like a couple, like as you guys all know, I really love coffee. And pretty much my tradition forever has been wake up, hit the button, make the coffee. A lot of times I would be in such a sleepy stupor that I would actually like make the coffee the night before so that I wouldn't have to think about anything. All I could do is just hit the button and make it. 
But I started learning and realizing I needed to drink more water in my life. That's convicting for some people in here right there. Like you're like 12 cups of coffee in and your body's like, please give me a liquid that doesn't have caffeine in it, you know? But I started realizing I need to drink more, co- more, more water in my life. And I also was realizing that when I, when I would like wake up and, and instantly go to coffee, like my body needed the coffee to wake up. And I was like, I don't want that. So I decided the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to wake up and I'm going to drink water. And for the first hour of the day, I'm just going to drink water. And then I'm bringing in the coffee. And so I started doing that. In the past six months, that's what I've been doing. And what I discovered was that, that now when I wake up, I am like so thirsty. And it's so weird because like I actually am drinking way more water, but when I wake up, my body has started craving like, yo, where's my water at? Like I know what we do next is we go get water. And so the point is that, that a lot of times what we are waiting for is we're waiting for this amazing, like beautiful feeling to come upon us where we're like, man, I just want to delight in the scriptures and spend all of my days frolicking on the pages of Ephesians. And in that moment, it just honestly, I hope it happens for someone, but probably is not going to happen like that. What's going to happen is that there's going to be a conviction inside of us that we want to be a tree. We want to be the kind of person that pursues Jesus. And then from there, we're going to build a habit that is going to, over time, turn into a delight. And that's the goal. That's what God is inviting us into in this moment. Now, I want to take a couple of minutes here and spend a little bit of time thinking about scripture and asking some questions about scripture. The first question that I wanna ask is, why don't we read scripture? Because as I'm talking, I believe I'm talking to a few different groups of people. I believe that there are some people in here and, and maybe you're skeptical or you're searching or you're just trying to figure out this whole following Jesus thing. And if that is you, we are incredibly grateful we are, you, that you are here. And we don't want to rush. We don't want to force anything upon you. I believe there's also some people here and you do genuinely want to follow Jesus. And you want to be the kind of person that we've been talking about. You want to be a tree. But there's kind of a gap between your goals and your current reality. You're like, man, for some reason, it's just not clicking yet, the whole Bible reading thing. Like, I'm here for it when you preach. I'm here for it when we open up the Bible in church, but I'm just not ready to dive in on on my own yet. And then for some of us, we, we have gotten into that rhythm. We're reading the Bible weekly. We're reading the Bible multiple times a week. We, we are wanting to engage with scripture. And listen, wherever you're at, there's not gonna be this standard over this series where we're like, you have to get to here. You must be this tall to ride. What we're doing is we're inviting all of us to take a step closer to, to God's heart for us. And I believe that that's what Jesus is inviting us into in this series. So back to my previous question, why don't we read the Bible? I think there's three main reasons why people don't read the Bible. This is my unscientific opinion slash I believe uh, that uh, we will find out that this is true in our lives as well. The first reason why people don't read scripture is because we are busy. Anybody ever been there before? We're busy. 
I got school. I got work. I have school and work. I have a social calendar. I don't want to be a loser and, and not, never talk to anyone. I, I have all these things that, that, that I have to do and I have all these priorities and I go to bed at like midnight and I wake up seven minutes before class and I pray that literally every light on Wickham Road turns green so that I can make it into the parking lot so I can make it to class. So we're busy. Now, spoiler alert here. I'm about to get into your business. Okay. Most of us, including myself, are not too busy. We are addicted to our phones. I told you. Most of us have a little app on our phone that's called Screen Time. And we do not want to look at that app because we do not like what it will say. Now, I was actually, for this illustration, going to show my own screen time. <laughs> then I looked at my screen time, and I literally was so embarrassed that I didn't do it. That's a true story. I was like, I can't do it. I can't show them. I can't look. Like, it, it, was, it was not good this week. It was like, oh, it's bad. For some reason, my screen time always pops up while I'm in church, you know, as if to make it, like, more convicting. Like, Pastor Mark's up there preaching, and it's like, your screen time's up 90% this week. I'm like, oh my gosh, sorry, Lord. But mo most of us, like, it, we, we, we can look at our phones and recognize that we've spent 40, 50, 60 hours this week, not minutes, on, on all these apps. And so the reality is, and, and I'm just throwing it out there, that it is the truth that probably, and I, there could be some exceptions, but probably most of us aren't too busy but we have a priority problem. So that's one thing. The second thing is that we are intimidated. We're intimidated. Perhaps you are scared because like the Bible, it's a big book. There's a lot of different things going on. Maybe you tried it before and it just seems overwhelming. Maybe you're not sure where to start because there's a lot of weird names of the books or it just, it just seems like too much to dive in. Perhaps even you're intimidated because there is a huge narrative in our culture today that the scripture contributes to these toxic things in culture. And so maybe you're worried because you're like, man, I just, I'm afraid of what I might find in there. Uh, another reason that, that people don't read scripture is because they're disappointed. Maybe you've heard a sermon about how awesome it's going to be and how amazing it's going to be and you got to it and you just felt like, man, I, I don't feel like it was for me. I know that was my story graduating college. I went to a Christian college and I really wanted to love scripture. There were parts of the story of God that really appealed to me and fascinated me. But when I, as I graduated college, I can't think of one week where I read the Bible more than once. And even when I did, I felt like, man, what, what the guy is preaching on stage, like when I look at it, I'm like, I don't get that. Like, I, I really don't feel like, like I could never imagine actually standing up on a stage and actually telling people about the Bible because that just wasn't where I was at. And, and so, like I said, we all are coming into this at different places and with different perspectives about the Bible. And part of my goal as the pastor of the harbor is I'm constantly trying to introduce us to scripture, introduce us to the story of the Bible, be pointing us back to the major stories of the Bible, the stories that we all know and are familiar with, the stories that maybe we don't know. Because I want to 
lay out the story of scripture for you so that you can have confidence when you dive in and read it yourself. So those are three reasons why we don't read. Now I, I want to take a moment and I want to ask the question, what should we be expecting when we read the Bible? What should we be expecting? This Christmas, my dad, he bought me a reciprocating saw as a Christmas gift. Now, I really, he should have bought me a gift certificate to a handyman. Because anytime when I would personally use a reciprocating saw, I would just call a handyman. Like, I don't, like, I'd be like, do you offer discounts if I provide my own reciprocating saw for you to do? Like, but apparently what I've learned is that a reciprocating saw, extremely good for destruction. Is that, is that correct, Charlie? Like, if, if I want to cut a hole in sheetrock, reciprocating saw. If I want to, like, slice up a piece of metal, reciprocating saw. It, like, like, but, but I, I, th this week, I was putting together one of those uh, really adorable, like, mini big wheels for my son, like, a, like a, a tricycle that he can ride around the house. I did not use a reciprocating saw when I was assembling the big wheel. I used a screwdriver. I don't know much, I'm not a smart man, Jenny, but I do know that you're not supposed to use a reciprocating saw, you're supposed to use a screwdriver to tighten screws. My point with that story is to say that it's important to know how to use a tool before you use it. And so with the scripture, it is one of the most powerful things in the world, if not the most powerful, but it is a tool. And we must have the correct expectations as to how to apply it to our lives. So I want to share three expectations with you about scripture as we dive in. So what is the purpose of scripture? Number one, the purpose of scripture is to show us Jesus. To show us Jesus. This is the primary purpose of the Bible. So the Bible is not primarily God's to-do list for you. The Bible is not primarily the, the, this kind of esoteric, weird religious document that gives us positive vibes. The Bible is primarily God's redemption story, him saving humanity of their sins through Jesus. Now, you may ask, Brian, where did you come up with that? Glad you ask. It's in the Bible. In Luke chapter 24, there's this beautiful story of the day that Jesus rose again from the grave, Easter Sunday. After he rose again from the grave, he went and he spent some time with two of his followers as they went on a seven-mile walk from Jerusalem to a town called Emmaus. During that time, Jesus explained a lot about the story of scripture, and we read in verse 27 that Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus was saying, all the scriptures point to me. Now, at the time, they only had the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible, the first two-thirds of your Bible. So they didn't even have the New Testament at the time. So most people, when they associate the Old Testament, they think like, yeah, that's not really the Jesus stuff. The Jesus stuff starts in the New Testament. No, the whole Bible pointing to Jesus. 
And so the first thing that you can expect wherever you read the Bible is you can expect to meet Jesus or at least see the story leading to Jesus. That's the first thing. The second thing that we can expect with scripture is we can expect breakthrough. We can expect breakthrough. This means that God's word is powerful. And when we read it, we can expect it to change our lives. It says in Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, that the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. In other words, when we read the Bible, the Bible is going to mess us up sometimes. The Bible is going to get in our business sometimes. And that's why even we asked Becca to share, this is a moment where the scriptures actually had a breakthrough moment in her life and led her towards the path God had for her. And I think we hopefully have all had a story like this before, where we've been in a sermon and some, a pastor has spoken just the right word or a friend has shared a Bible verse and that Bible verse has helped us to encounter the love of God. Or maybe we've been reading and God has convicted us about an unhealthy thought pattern or an unhealthy action that we have been committing and we've had to change. Like God said, man, you need to forgive. You need to trust me. You need to, to, to release that unhealthy thought, whatever it is. So these moments of breakthrough, they are moments when we read the scripture and God's spirit speaks to us and something changes. And we should expect these moments. The third thing that we should expect is formation. Formation. So we shouldn't just expect breakthrough. We should also expect formation. What is formation? Formation is God's process of developing us to look like Jesus. Now, here, here's the hint. This process is agonizingly slow. Is anyone feeling me on that? Like, like God is doing things in your life that you wish he had been finished with like five years ago. And he's still working. He's still developing. He's still shaping you. Like when God says, I want you to be a tree, like trees do not happen overnight. If you plant a tree, there's plenty of days when you go out and you're like, that tree's not growing. And then if you come back 20 years later, you're like, that is a huge tree. There's, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says the best time to plant a tree is 10 years ago. But the second best time is today. And listen, there will be times when you read the scripture and you feel like nothing's happening. Something is happening, but, but it feels like it is just mundane and you're like, I am trying to stay awake. Like, like that's just a reality that will happen, but you, we have to trust that God is in the process of forming us and developing us. This is actually this week, like ironically, as I'm preparing for this series, like was one of my, like worst weeks of Bible reading in quite some time. Usually I'm, I'm pretty consistent, but this week, several circumstances outside of my control. And, and I did read the scripture, but it just felt very like rushed. It 
not like how I typically like to, 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 to read. And, but even during that time, I, I, even though there, there wasn't like this moment where like the cherubim appeared and were playing golden harps and singing hallelujah, I'm still trusting that God is developing something inside of me. And he's working and he's building something in my life. Now, this is why I spent the time to explain breakthrough versus formation. I want you to write this down because I think it's really important. If we only expect breakthrough, we're going to be frustrated. But if we only expect formation, we're going to be feeble. So if every time you go to the Bible, you're like, this is going to be insane. I'm meeting with the God of the universe. Like it's going to blow my mind. Like, like if, if every time you're expecting the heavens to open and the angelic choirs to sing, like there will be moments when you're frustrated. Because as we said, there are times when it is challenging to read the scripture. There's times when the motivation's not there. There's times when you get to the passage and you're like, I have no idea what I just read. And so if all you're expecting is like, oh, then they're going to be frustrated. But here's what happens. Sometimes because we are disappointed that the breakthrough isn't happening as quickly as we want, we lose faith that anything is going to happen. And so we just start to think, eh, I'm just in it for the formation. I guess in like 20 years, I'll look better than I do now. And so I'm not really even engaging with my whole being or my whole heart. And I don't really come to the harbor. I don't really come to scripture with faith. I'm just kind of like, yeah, God will do something eventually. And if that's the case, we're going to be weak in our faith. Because we're just going to be hearers of the word, not simply doers of the word. And what I want to encourage you is to come with faith to reading scripture. To, to believe that God wants to do something. Like come to the harbor and believe like God wants to do something powerful in my life tonight at the harbor. God wants to do something powerful tomorrow when I open up my scripture and read. I want to believe that. I want to have faith for that. But at the same time, I want to trust that if that doesn't happen exactly how I expect, God is still at work. He's forming me. He's making me into the image of Jesus. Okay, as we close, I want to take a moment and get really practical. And I want to share like literally how I personally read scripture. So again, this is going to be super practical. It's not going to be these like hot tips for the super ingenious scripture observation. This is like just what my morning looks like. So the first thing how I read scripture is I want to encourage everybody to download this app called Alarmy. Now, confession time. I've already been confessing a lot to you, but I'm just going to keep going. I, I really have a problem with the snooze button. Is anyone with me there? Like if I just have a normal app, I literally will snooze 45 minutes. It's so, so bad. Like I am embarrassed about sometimes how bad I, I, I snooze. Like there's been moments like in marriage where like, cause Katie will like wake up before me. And like, I feel like after she leaves, I have to text her and be like, I am so sorry. I'm not proud of myself for that. <laughs> Like, like just snooze like 25 times. Like I can't imagine that in that moment she's like, man, I really married an amazing man. <laughs> but here's what's cool about the Alarmy app. That wasn't, I'm just riffing at this point. 
Here's what's amazing about the Alarmy app is that it has some different settings, but the one that I like is that it actually, in order to disable the alarm, I have to scan a barcode on a package that is in my pantry. And you can actually set up the different barcodes. So literally when it wakes up, and every morning I'm like, is there a way to disable this? And I'm like, the only way is I have to get out of my bed, walk into my kitchen, find the box, turn on the light, and actually scan the barcode. It's like really embarrassing that that's the links I have to go to. But a couple of things are cool about that. The first thing is that it gets me out of bed. So I know if I set my alarm for a certain time, I'm going to be out of bed at that time. The other thing is that, that it actually gets me out of bed because it keeps me, I don't know if you guys have ever been there where it's like, I, I'm, I'm awake, but I'm not really awake enough to, to do something productive. So I just scroll my phone for like 20 minutes. It actually forces me to get out of bed, get into that mental state where I can put my phone down and, and go sit on the couch and open up my work. So I think this app literally has like changed my devotion life because of that. It's forcing me to actually get active. The second thing is we have a rule that scripture happens before screens. Scripture before screens. Or another way to say it is Bible before breakfast. All my intermittent fast, fasting homies, like, you know, like that's where you go scripture before screens. If you intermittent fast, you do scripture before screens. If you don't, do Bible before breakfast. I, I intermittent fast, so I, haven't, I don't eat breakfast. So I just, I just do the, the scripture before screens. But the idea of this is I don't want to fill my mind and fill my heart with, with like 30 minutes of every single person in the world's opinions before I hear the heart of God. And so we, we, I put my phone down, I move away, and before I do anything else, usually, sometimes I mess this up, but usually I, I want to spend time in the Word. The third thing that I think is so important is it's so important to have a plan, to, to actually work systematically through a book of the Bible, not just to kind of randomly turn or to, to randomly uh, to, to jump in, but actually to have this is where I'm working through and this is the process that I'm going through. If you don't have a plan, I'm going to share one with you in just a moment. Now, 3B, I didn't include this one on the notes, but 3B is open up in prayer and ask God to speak to you. Like God wrote the Bible and the Holy Spirit lives in you. So invite him to speak to you and lead you. And then number four is this, to celebrate the wins with a friend. And this may look like you picking someone here at the harbor tonight and being like, hey, for the next week, we are texting each other at 7 a.m. and saying, are you up? Like, let's read. It may look like you saying, hey, I'm gonna read every day, you're gonna read every day. We're gonna text each other one thing that we learned. Whatever it looks like, but have someone to, to walk with you. Have a buddy that's encouraging you and helping you along. Now, as we close, here is the challenge that I wanna give you. I'm gonna to try to give us a challenge about reading scripture every week. Now, possibly some of us are on a plan, you're charging forward. If you're on a plan and you're charging forward and you're like, I've checked off like four weeks in a row, like you don't have to, 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 to go with this. But if you're like, I don't know where to start, this is a great place to start. Read one chapter of Proverbs every day. Proverbs is a book about wisdom, how to get God's wisdom. So read one chapter of Proverbs every day. And then before you leave here tonight, 
Or maybe afterwards, grab a friend and say, hey, let's do this Proverbs challenge together. Grab a group and say, let's do this Proverbs challenge together. And we're going to text our friends one verse that jumped out to us every day. You don't have to offer uh, an amazing commentary on the verse. You don't have to show, you know, the, the, do, do a breakdown of the Greek and Hebrew. Just say, hey, I really liked Proverbs chapter 1, verse 3. If it sparks a conversation, great. If it doesn't, great. But we're getting started. We're moving forward. Sound good? Yeah. Awesome. God wants you to be a tree. Now, as we close, and I realize I've said as we close three times, <laughs> apologies. I want to encourage us with this, that God's love for us is not based on how many check boxes we have hit this week in the Bible app. God's love for us is based on the fact that he loves us. So if you go 0 for 7 this week and you come back with your head held in shame next week, just know God loves you exactly the same as the person who read all through Proverbs and overachieved. Because our righteousness, it is not based on our activity, our righteousness, it is based on what Jesus has already done for us. And so in order to be approved by God, in order to be welcomed into God's kingdom, you don't have to read a certain amount of the Bible. You don't have to do a certain amount of good deeds. Nothing that we can do can earn God's favor. We can't do enough good deeds because our sin has separated us from God. But the beautiful thing is that Jesus has died on the cross for our sins so that when we believe in Jesus, then we actually have complete forgiveness of sins. We sang about it in, in the song Cornerstone that we are dressed not in our righteousness, but we are dressed in his righteousness. That God looks at us and he sees the beauty and the perfection of Jesus when we trust in him. God welcomes us into his family, not based on what we're doing, but what based on what Christ has already done. So we put our faith and trust in Christ and in our reading scripture, it's just merely us saying, God, we want to play. We want to participate in what you're doing. So let's pray to close out our time. Father God, we are grateful for who you are. We are grateful for the fact that you have given us this word. You have revealed your mind and your heart to us. And God, I just want to pray that as we dive into this series, as we spend the next few weeks thinking about the story that you have written and that you invite us to be a part of, I pray that you would just stir up in us a desire to seek after you, a desire to know you deeper, and that that desire would lead us to dive into the scripture. I pray that you would develop in us a self-discipline a habit to be able to actually connect to your word so that you can encounter us, so that you can change us. God, I pray for a generation that loves to seek your face, that desires to be at your feet. And now I just want to take a moment, if there is anyone in here that is not a follower of Jesus, and that maybe tonight you realize, I desire to be a follower of Jesus. I just want to put a number on the screen uh, right now. And if, if you would pray that prayer, if you would say, Dear God, I love you, 
and I wasn't following you before, but I want to put my faith and my trust in you. And I want to follow after you. I want Jesus to forgive me of my sins. And I want to be a, a follower of Jesus. If you would pray that prayer, um, you can just text yes to that number. It's just a, a simple text and the text isn't going to save you. It's not a magic text. It's not a magic number. But, but putting your faith in Jesus, the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and invites us into this new life of following after him, that is what will save us. And I just want to encourage you that if that is you and you want to do that, then shoot a text that way and we would love to, to reach out to you, connect with you and help you take your next step of following Jesus. Awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks so much for spending time with us. If you'd like to know more about The Harbor, please follow us on Instagram at wearetheharbor. Also, if you need prayer, feel free to send us a DM. Otherwise, tune in next time.